I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mario makes millions, the Zelda cops are coming for Discord, and a Halo vet has left Microsoft. This is VGC, a video game podcast with me, Jordan Midler, Chris Scullion, and Keza McDonald. How are we doing, folks? Welcome to the podcast, Keza. Marvellous. Good to see you both. I'm good. I'm good. I'm surviving the Easter holidays, Mm. which is more than can be said for some parents of two small children (laughs) at this point. (laughs) So yeah, overall good. What, what ages are we talking here? Are we talking really young? Because Chris has got quite a young one as well. Three and six Jesus. in the trenches. That's brutal. It is That's... brutal. I, I love this. Everyone's like, oh, you know, how, how brilliant it is having children. Like, congratulations on your lovely family. And you guys are like, fuck that. Like, <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> well, it's a three-year-old, the three-year-old must be at nursery at least. Is yes, that? yeah, mostly. So that's, yes. yeah, so it's really just a six-year-old. But yeah, yeah, because uh, mine, mine's is luckily still young enough for nurseries. So this is my last uh, non-school holiday situation because you start school in the summer after the summer, and then that's be fucked. Yep, you can look forward <laughs> to six then. to eight weeks of of <laughs> trying to figure out how to work around your children per year. It's going to be great. Brilliant. <laughs> Just throw them in front of Rob- Roblox. That's what the kids are into these days. Just <laughs> oh, place them in front of Roblox for six weeks and that'll do. Oh, don't get me started um, how- on Roblox. <laughs> <laughs> how- how's things over in um, in Edinburgh, Chris? You're currently, while El Capitan is flying about Japan at the minute, um, you're holding down the fort. So how's things going? Yeah, not bad. Like, holding down is a strong word. <laughs> um, I'm just basically got my foot on the fort so it doesn't blow away. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm, uh, I've, I've seen before we started that I'm tired, but then when, when one of the guests is someone with two kids, I can't really say I'm tired. So uh, without getting like shot in the face, so we'll just we'll, we'll just go with we'll just go. What I'm doing okay for today. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, this week from an actual gameplay perspective, we've been talking about stuff that we we've been playing stuff that we can't quite talk about yet, but we still have info on EA's next big single player adventure and since we have Keza and Chris and I am a big old nerd for the old school games media days I'm going to get some fun stories out of them but first the Mario movie is making a lot of money Super Mario Brothers movie has smashed box office records for opening weekends of an animated film eating Frozen 2 it's also flown right past the opening weekend for video game adaptations which was Warcraft it's made an absolute shit ton Chris have you seen it again yet? I did, I went to see it again at IMAX because when, when I went to see it on day one, like a big nerdy prick, it was uh, the kid was in nursery, so it was just me and the missus. So mm. um, I decided, because like, we, we wanted to kind of vet it first to see if it would be too scary for Serena. Um, but the only other than the bit where, where kind of dry bones chases Luigi, I thought she'll be okay with this. Um, so I kind of primed her for that bit, said, oh, there's a scary bit, but you'll be okay, won't you? <laughs> and she's laughing. So, um, yeah, she loved it. Absolutely loved it, which is good. She's singing the Peaches song constantly, which is quite annoying. That is um, the TikTok hit of the summer, that Peaches song. It is absolutely everywhere. But, um, but yeah, twice now. I think twice will do. I, I don't want to be one of these people who goes to see it 48 times and becomes insufferable. Um, <laughs> I'll just wait till the, till the, the Blu-ray comes You don't need to see it that many times to be insufferable, pal. That's... What about you, Keza? Have you seen it? Has your clan seen it yet? I've also seen it twice. 
Yeah. Yes. I went to, <laughs> I went to see it um with my my older son who's 6 um last week when on the day it came out. And you know, it's fine. It was fine. Yeah. You know my son loved it and I was like, yeah, this is this is you know my expectations were so so like abyssal so low that (laughs) i was actually quite pleased that it was not completely terrible and then i went to it again yesterday with um my son again and one of his little friends and the little friend did not like it at all like every 10 minutes they were like can we leave when is it finished um so that was less enjoyable and also i have to say on the second viewing that film really doesn't stand up to scrutiny (laughs) as an adult like first time around you're like okay it's got the mario stuff here's the music yay let's uh, this rainbow road Uh second time around you're just like this is just like a, a, a random sequence of events <laughs> like yeah. it really does suffer from a total absence of plot but i enjoyed it anyway you know hope, every, time, co- every time i talk to someone about it and i'm like oh yeah i saw the mario film and they're like is it good and i'm like no not really but i did enjoy watching it <laughs> yeah. and like every, every five minutes i turned to the person i was with and i was like that's the gamecube noise that's from this. That's from this. You see, that, that's, yeah, I hope, that's, I hope that, that that's kid, I hope, I hope when your when your son's pal was moaning about being there, I hope you grabbed him and said, "Listen, don't you understand? That's a reference to Duck Hunt." Oh, no, no, no. That's Chasso Canard. <laughs> yeah, can you tell? You see, he was originally called Jumpman, and then they changed it, so that's what he's playing at the start there. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I did actually. Is, I, like, I noticed the 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 many 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 references more second time around. Um, and like, because yeah. the first time around, I was like, well, it didn't labor the nostalgia too heavily. You know, it wasn't just a sequence of Mario stuff without context, really. It did, you know, yeah. it had some kind of internal logic. Um, but yeah, second time around, I was noticing a lot more of the NES references and the other stuff that's in there. And I was being like, okay, it does actually labor the nostalgia quite heavily, <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I genuinely was, was uh, surprised by not hating it, put it that way. Yeah, put that on the fucking post. Absolutely, um, didn't hate it. <laughs> so here, what a surprise! <laughs> here's the question, though, Keza. With all this money being made, does Universal just go absolutely crazy with the green light and green light ten Nintendo films this year? Um, I don't want to say here's hoping. Do you know what I mean? Like, I would quite like to see what happens if they get another go at Mario. I mean, they will, clearly. Mm. Clearly there will be several yeah, yeah. more goes at Mario, right? So I'd quite like to see if maybe they'll be a little bit less safe and corporate with it next time, which could have an interesting result or could have a very yeah. bad one. I'm genuinely quite intrigued because um, I feel like the curse of the video game adaptation is lifted now, finally, after... I mean, I've endured like three decades of fascinatingly terrible video game adaptations. <laughs> and so this is why my expectations are so low, I think, right? Because it's like, it can't be as bad as, for instance, the Monster Hunter movie from a few years <laughs> back, which was just like, what? What? What is this? Who... <laughs> Did anyone look at the game? Before? Did they just look at some concept? Did they look at an advert for the game and just yeah. make something up? So, um, yeah, I, I'm. I would like to see more. I'd like to see how it goes. My expectations remain quite low, and I think that's the best way to keep it. Do you know what I mean? That's the best way to keep it. Like, how excited and how delighted were we all with Last of Us when it turned out to be actually good? And yeah. like, that's how I want to feel when I see anything that's actually good. I want to be like, ah, oh, brilliant. Look at that. It's not, <laughs> it's not shite. So yeah. The thing you say about the corporatization, you imagine that Nintendo went with Universal and Illumination because they will do exactly what Nintendo wants yeah. and Nintendo's not going to do anything that's kind of out of step. I imagine the first non-Mario one because it's the, the their other kind of, their other big brand that isn't Pokemon. Pokemon's it's all kind of thing but you've got to imagine they start working on a zelda thing Look, pretty soon. i want a like art house kid icarus movie 
about <laughs> what talking. it means to fly too close to the sun. I want like <laughs> Joker, but Kid Icarus. That's what I want, I want to see. I, I it would be very very entertaining if that does happen. <laughs> we just get all these random like C tier Nintendo franchises of old being adapted by like small indie um, cinema makers. I think that would be brilliant. Well, yeah, everybody, it, everybody's obviously kind of wanting to see, wanting to kick off another Marvel Cinematic Universe and hope that this is going to be the next thing. I don't see it myself, but it would be amazing. Like like the equivalent of the Guardians of the Galaxy, which is something that nobody really expected before it came out to do well. Um, it could be like a, a Clue Clue Land movie. <laughs> and everyone's like, what, what the fuck? And then suddenly it becomes like the greatest Nintendo movie ever. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, up, I'm up for them doing it a lot, but I, I also worry about how successful some of them would be. Like Mario is the perfect storm because it's it's three generations or, or, or more of people know and love Mario so adults go and see it, kids go and see it um, if they release something like a Metroid movie, mm. that's not going to do it anywhere near yeah. as well and then you're going to just instantly get people saying oh well that's the wheels falling <laughs> off and it's like well no it's just it's Metroid, yeah. it, it doesn't have that natural, fa- that, that massive fan base like, it, attached to it. Speaking of Metroid. Um, I've been mildly annoyed by the universal praise for how amazing Metroid Prime is since the remaster. Came <laughs> on you go, because we'll, it's like, back. yeah, it's amazing. Nobody was saying that at the time. It sold like twelve copies on the game. Like nobody, nobody ever for a second talked about Metroid Prime ever. Yeah. Like it was literally at the time, it was one of those things that about three people played, and everybody who played it loved it. But it was not a kind of canon piece, kind of masterpiece. In, in the Nintendo canon at all, or in, in, in yeah. gaming whatsoever. So the fact that it's come back out, everyone's like, oh yeah, Metroid Prime, wasn't that like an amazing sea change for the first person narratives? And I'm like, where were you in the 2000s or indeed at any point? <laughs> Between now and then, that's that off my chest. This, this is the video game equivalent. The video game equivalent of Kate Bush fans saying, yes. "Finally, after yes, Stranger Things, it is exactly that." I mean, I was I was very amused by like the, the rave reviews everywhere and everyone being like, "Oh, so great to revisit this master." It's like, where did you buy it? Did, it's like, yeah, I remember like I was talking to a guy who worked at Nintendo at the time, and like working at Nintendo during the GameCube days was like, okay, so when are we getting fired? When is the company going down? Mm. Like, you know, everybody working, <laughs> and, and they had, like, so little communication with Japan and that, that, like, basically they had no idea what was happening at any time. And then, uh, you know, apparently the, the Wii came as a total surprise to everybody who was working at Nintendo outside of Japan. Um, and then mm. they all watched the same video that, you know, we watched from Tokyo Game Show at that time. And then they all mm. sat down and went, right, okay, so where else should we look for a job? <laughs> <laughs> this is never gonna work <laughs> jesus but yeah the idea that nintendo would would keep extremely close control of any mario or, or any nintendo movie i think mm. that's what could ultimately kind of scupper it if i'm totally honest because nintendo's yeah. not known for giving creative license to its partners generally i think it's got better at that over the decades but like it's not it's not known for that and i, I do mm. think that if anybody wanted to do something genuinely a bit wild with any nintendo property that said, the '90s Mario movie did happen. True, so. that must have burned them so badly, though. Like it took them two decades to come back and try it again. It's another thing, though, right? There's so much retroactive absolution being offered to that Mario movie. <laughs> like I'm seeing on Twitter, like, oh, actually, oh. that one was better, and I'm like, oh, yeah, fuck I saw, off. I saw that one. I, w- I wouldn't name check the publication, but someone did say <laughs> the '93 Mario movie is actually better. I was like, go and take a fuck to it's- yourself because <laughs> there's, there's no chance whatsoever. <laughs> Like, I went. I went to that on day one with my dad. We, me and my dad went to see the Mario movie in '93 when it first came out, and we were the only two people 
in the entire <laughs> uh, cinema on day one. And then, so when I went with my wife to see Mario and the thing was packed on a Wednesday afternoon, I was like, this is going to do, this is finally going to do well. But my other worry is that they, everyone's now saying Zelda, Zelda, Zelda. No, movie. don't do Zelda but movie. The, the, the I can't take it. It's Nintendo and Illumination are like thick as thieves now. That doesn't work. They do comedy, funny kids movies and like yeah, somebody else on, would need to do Zelda. Zelda movie. You would need to find another um ip that that is quite that is just as kind of light-hearted and jokey which is mm. why they're going to do a mario sequel they're probably going to do a donkey kong spin-off yeah is that, um, zelda's also yeah. got like that it's got that mystery element um yeah. because it's yeah. never that clearly explained you know what i mean that like, the plot of zelda is always kind of in the background of things and it's never that clearly explained but you can go digging yeah. if you want to and like the hyrule historian and all that connected a lot of stuff to i'd never you know, thought too hard about the Zelda lore until I read Hyrule Historian and was like, okay, so this all does actually connect together. Like, someone has thought about this, you know. Yeah. Um, it's not all just bollocks. Exactly, right? Because, like, honestly, like, let's be honest, most video games from the 80s and 90s, like, it's just someone thought of a plot to put on the back of the box. Like, that is what yeah. video game plots were for so long. And that's why, obviously, they just basically have sucked um, when you try and adapt them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you need something you can be playful with, don't you? Whereas I'd, I'd, it would be hard to be playful with Zelda. Yeah, I think yeah. you'd lose the mystery of the thing. Like it's all about mood, isn't it? With adaptations, you got to get the mood of the thing from one form into another. And yeah, yeah I think that's the, the easiest thing to mess up and the most crucial thing to get right. And that's actually, I thought the Mario movie did get that right. You got the mood, you know, just a yeah. joyful, yeah. exuberant, like bouncy, bouncy fun. You know, I really feel that it got the kind of the sound and the look, the joyfulness. Yeah, it felt like being in that theme park. Like when I went to, when I very briefly stepped into the theme park because it was like overwhelmingly full of people. You're just like, just this cacophony of noise that you're assaulted with on all sides. And that was very much what the film was like. Speaking of cacophonies of noise, Opening Night Live returns. Gamescom Opening Night Live <laughs> will return this August, Jeff Keighley well, has then. announced. <laughs> in a tweet, the host and producer of the show has said that he's, quote, excited to be back in Cologne with the fans and industry streaming video game news directly to you. Opening Night Live is the Game Award producer's regular pre-show presentation for the German Gamescom Expo which last took place in Cologne as an in-person event, uh, which last year took place in Cologne, which was the first in-person one since 2019 because some stuff happened the year after. Are we expecting a big old Gamescom? Is it too close to Jeff Fest? Keza, I'll come to you first. I'm hoping for a big Gamescom because we need something in our mm. video game year now like i am you know pretty devastated by the death of e3 um mm. at least for now you know pending the pending <laughs> pending confirmation the death of e3 forever um because we really need i think uh, a focal point for the video games industry like a lot of people have talked about how oh you know it's too diffuse now basically like everybody makes their own announcements on their own channels that's great for the fans of that particular thing it's really bad for like the wider awareness of video games actually it's really bad for big news media brands and it's really bad for anybody who's like likes games but doesn't spend you know hours and hours playing them every week or who doesn't you know, follow stuff on twitter who doesn't necessarily read specialist games news every day so we need some kind of focal point event and i'm kind of hoping that gamescom might be able to step up and do it however the precedent isn't great like gamescom has never really managed to be it's it's a consumer event, right? It's never managed to be that kind of nexus of news and industry. It's never never mm. gotten there. So, yeah, I mean, I I I'm, I'm, I I think that these big big showcases with tons of trailers, we've seen so many of them in the last few years. Like something needs to happen. If yeah. like if Gamescom can be the thing that steps up to fill the void, that would be great. But I'm not sure it can. 
Mm. Especially, I mean, this year they've said that a big partner who wasn't there at the 2019 one will return, so they're probably setting something up. Chris, what's your thoughts on Gamescom, other than us staying up all night covering it? Oh, we won't we'll need to stay up all night because it'll be. Uh, oh, yes. Europe, won't it? So, yeah. Right. Another reason yes. why Gamescom could please step up and <laughs> exactly. fill the void. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I like Gamescom, but yeah, but I, I think more because it's. Um, it's it's more manageable because it is smaller. Like I, I do agree that we need an, an an E3 something of scale, something of magnitude. And it, as much as I like Gamescom, that isn't it yet. I don't think um, Gamescom is the only one I've actually attended because, like, obviously, when E3 comes, I'm I'm the one who stays back and and covers the news and and like because mm. because I, I can write fast. <laughs> I was like like denied the ability to go to America because like my, my I was better used in the office, but yeah, I went to gamescom once which is actually the first time i met keza actually um when it when it when it used to be in leipzig um which which was fun um but yeah so you remember when uh when gamescom was it was in leipzig and uh leipzig is a very fun and weird city i'm a big germany mm-hmm. fan over here so like i've been to all the german cities Le- leipzig <laughs> is like super super weird and gamescom was the biggest thing that happened in leipzig all year you know yeah. and it was like a huge uh it was a huge deal for the city um, I don't feel like it's like that in Cologne. <laughs> like Cologne has a lot of <laughs> these conferences and stuff. But I've I've been to Gamescom pretty much pretty much every year for seventeen years, mm. which is ridiculous, obviously. <laughs> but like the last time I was there, the last summer, I, I started having like a strange out of body experience because I was wandering the kind of Cologne conference hall, thinking, "Is this me? Is my ghost going to be wandering?" <laughs> the Cologne Convention Center for the next 100,000 years. It's just going to be like me looking for the Microsoft booth for the rest of my natural life. I had like a real moment of like, what am I doing with my life? Um, and I think that the um, the kind of setting of it isn't as like bombastic as E3, right? It's not the kind of like, yeah. Yeah. and I think it's partly because it's not American. It's not got the kind of, uh, it's not got everybody getting together in big halls and all the whipping and all that stuff that made E3 quite, you know, quite fun to watch. Gamescom doesn't have that. It's not fun to watch, I don't think. Yeah. I don't know if you remember this because you've interviewed 12 million people probably over the years. Do you remember Gamescom and the year I went would have been 2007, 2008-ish and me and you both had to do a joint interview with, um, I think it was Igarashi, the Castlevania guy, um, and it was both basically because the, there was so many people wanting to interview him. They basically teamed journalists up and basically said you both get this interview. Um, so it was me and you in the room with him, and he put his big. He had an enormous whip and just sat it on the table. Um, <laughs> Very and he threatening. Still had his hat on, and it was just like a really odd. And, and the only question I remember, I remember saying to him because I was still quite new and and just asking the shit questions, and I was like, "What's your favorite Castlevania game?" <laughs> and I remember him saying. Uh, so I'm like, oh, that would be like asking me to choose my favourite child, uh, but probably Symphony of the Night. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember the threatening aura of that that, that interview in general, actually. This is it. Like, uh, Also, this was, you know, because it was a while ago, the, the interviews weren't so closely managed. So mm. like at one point at Gamescom, maybe the same year or, or like, you know, around then I got put in a room with Hideo Kojima, who was incredibly fed up, clearly. Just absolutely <laughs> no time for any of this. And um, I was I was told to ask, like, is Metal Gear Solid, whichever one it was at the time, coming to Xbox? And he just went on this massive rant, like, for fuck's sake, everybody just asks me what fucking console the stupid game's coming out and does nobody care about my art? He went on this, like, massive rant. And, like, I speak Japanese, so I was listening, and, like, oh, he's really, really mad. <laughs> he's, he's seriously mad. And then the translator was like, we have nothing to announce at this time. <laughs> I was talking to uh, uh, 
a, a peer of ours who remain nameless so we can continue this amazing technique but he also uh, speaks japanese and he'll be he'll be doing an interview with japanese dev and they'll mistranslate what the answer is yeah, he has multiple time. times stopped them and went that's not what they said translate it properly and i just think that's the most fucking like oh, no, no. baller See, move ever they're missing a trick there because what you do is remain completely quiet <laughs> so that they don't yeah. know you speak japanese yeah. and then later you can go back over it maybe get a pal who speaks better japanese than you to listen to it as well and and, and do it properly yeah. <laughs> well i really hope gamescom happens because i have booked what is probably the sketchiest hotel in cologne to i think uh, i've got go a long experience of sketchy hotels yeah. in cologne at this point mate like <laughs> 15 years worth <laughs> it, it looks like there's like two hospital beds like placed together wow. um but the breakfast looks nice so that's really all you're asking for when you're traipsing through a big uh, convention center i went like to that. the the weirdest gamescom i had was the year i was pregnant and i went <laughs> and i'm like i was massive and i was like waddling the halls and like nobody had any idea how to deal with a pregnant games journalist i don't think it had ever happened <laughs> i genuinely think nobody had ever encountered this problem before and it was the year that they were doing you know that resi demo at uh, the resi demo was it the kitchen demo um, the one yeah, where you get beheaded in it and everything in VR. Um, yeah. So I turned up at Capcom and they took a look at me, took a look at the, and they were like, we don't, we don't think you should play this. <laughs> I was like, okay, can I watch someone else play it? They were like, we think that's best. So, <laughs> so I watched some poor Capcom guy like do the demo and I was just watching the screen while, while they were in VR. And I was like, well, I, I really feel like I've experienced this <laughs> as much as I want to. At this point, I just loved the idea of them like freaking out the pregnant games journalists so much that like I went into labour on the show floor. It would have been quite a story. That would have been great PR though if that had happened. <laughs> that's it? like one of the. That's like <laughs> a mid two thousands thing. Not so much for you. <laughs> like when, like when, uh, for some Resident Evil game or some horror game, they had like body parts around London and then lost some of them. That's so right. like, <laughs> like weeks weeks later, they were like. If anyone comes across like a, a plastic arm, could you return it? Was that <laughs> was that the year they did the butcher shop and they made like human? Yeah, because yeah, so it was right. all made of meat, so it would have been slowly deteriorating. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. no! <laughs> Some guys like taking the bins out at his work, and there's just an arm like slowly melting to dust. Like, oh god, that's not that's not as bad as the God of War party, though, is it? Or were they where they killed the goat? Yeah. yeah, that was infamous, wasn't it? I was not there. Yeah, it was. I wasn't there. You don't know, I was not there. I wasn't there, but a lot. Yeah, a lot, I wasn't there, but I hear a lot of magazines had to be pulped. Uh, official PlayStation covered it, a magazine covered it in great detail with detailed images, and then had to pull the, the yeah. like every issue and re- reprint it. That was grim. Turns out it's not in the greatest taste to, to live slaughter <laughs> a goat at a promotional marketing event for a video game. Nah. Better days, if you ask me. This is the games industry that when I was like a kid, I was reading about. And I was like, "This is going to be fucking quality." And now I get, I get into it, and it's like flights to like nice wee hotels, go and play the game. Flights home. It's none of this debauchery. It's not flying it, right? to I Cabo. Like, I feel like Chris and I got in right at the end of the yeah, the like yeah. the wild era of um like yeah, when cause, magazines cause were you know selling hundreds of thousands. Yeah, because we we we'll we'll have both heard stories from before our time that were just outlandish and like we 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 had some pretty outlandish. I remember one of the I won't. I mean, they, they don't do these awards anymore, but I'll probably not name check them just in case someone's involved. But there were there was a regular media award for the what games. What could you possibly industry. be talking about? <laughs> which, I've which, got like, about nine of them on my shelf back there. <laughs> well, 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 some of us weren't so lucky. Um, but um, and it had like one of them was at like a, a burlesque bar, and then one of them was was like at like a normal venue. But then like they had that 
sponsorship with a with a certain uh, independent games retailer that were, which ended up with like condoms and the tables and stuff like that. That was like yep, the glory was, days. <laughs> God, it was so, so so pathetic. That was the thing. Like it was so sad. You know, it's like oh man. Like I remember hearing stories about like the Tomb Raider two preview where I think they flew everybody to Egypt for like mm. a week and a half and everybody had magazine deadlines right so it's not like now where you have to write everything up like the second it happens it has to be on yeah. the internet like in moments it was literally like they would see the game for three hours and then spend five days in Egypt and then like have <laughs> to write 300 words on it when they get back I'm like Jesus that is a very different job from the one that I've been doing all this time. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, there's there's this um, infamous person who used to cover games for one of the tabloids, um, who used to just turn up to every single thing, all these things, all these trips, and then like hundred word column once a week. <laughs> that that was how it was. Yeah. What a cushy job. Yeah. Crazy days. Sorry, Jordan, we're massively derailing your your news oh, no, with our stories. With our... It's what old people do, Jordan. We we <laughs> reminisce. You can't really. You just have to like sit there and go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Just let us do I it. Mean, do, you mem- do you remember space offers? <laughs> <laughs> do you I remember mean, space world? Um, former guest of this show, Jeff Gersman, literally has a Patreon podcast where it's him and Glenn Rubenstein who have been covering games since 1992, just talking about what it was like to cover games right at the start of like um, Sega and Nintendo and stuff like that. So it's and I sat. I, they're like three hours long and i sat and listened to them like yeah i understand this i wasn't born but i, I understand <laughs> back, back in those days ah the old days oh, yeah, yeah classic i wasn't classic there times. for yeah i mean I, I do hear i hear better stories from the 90s i think the 90s was just a wild decade tbh oh yeah i mean there i was i was once taken out to to lunch by a pr who came up to glasgow and they formally wrote for a bit of a wild west magazine back in the day and he was just like, yeah, on a deadline, um, the editor would just occasionally come around and give us Eckies. I was like, yes, that, <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is the industry. Old school. Um, my my favourite old school story, and uh, you must have been told, uh, Andy must have told you this one at some point, Jordan, was that the E3 when they announced the DS, um, so maybe 2004 or something like that, um, and the then i'll not name the person but the then official nintendo magazine before future took over the the whole team went to e3 to cover it um and they get sent into this kind of like a secret kind of for vip press where they had loads of uh, ds's all set up and all they had was pick to chat um, and, and, and the it. whole point was like you know and you know what's coming and the whole yeah. point was, was to like they were all linked up so you could pick to chat with other people and they had big massive screens up like show which they didn't realize right and this chap in particular drew did what everyone would do and drew yes. an enormous dick <laughs> and like uh, and as 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 i understand it cause this is before my time it was it was very detailed um, for uh, even by picture chat standards um and and then apparently um he was informed by a member of nintendo staff that this massive penis was on display uh, on on this giant screen and that these screens were being shown to people standing in the queue like waiting to get in like to to the main kind of consumer bit and apparently turned around and saw Miyamoto just shaking his head disappointed <laughs> You have disappointed the father of video games. If you disappoint me a more, you're like, wow, oh, no. I'd never get over that. I'd just lie no. down on the ground and never get up again. <laughs> Be the end. <laughs> anyway. 
there's no vault fast to this next story. Halo veteran Joseph Staten is leaving Microsoft. He announced on Twitter his departure will mark the end of his second nine-year spell at the company. He's been working on Halo for around two decades. Quote, hey folks, I'm indeed leaving Microsoft, Staten said after the news broke. I'll have more info soon, but for now, I'd like to thank Xbox and all those lads. That last bit was paraphrasing. Here's my question. <laughs> Obviously, Staten was parachuted in to try and save Infinite which, depending on how you feel about Infinite, was either successful or extremely unsuccessful. What the hell's going on with Halo in 2023, Keza? I think it might be done for a while, if I'm totally mm. honest. I feel like Infinite really bore the hallmarks of a game that couldn't be made in the... It couldn't be realized as envisioned, right? Yeah. Like, when I played that, I was like, this is this is interesting. This is, this is, this is a game that's very different from the one that they wanted to make. Like you could see like the shape of the game that existed was in, you could see, you could see the outline of what it was supposed to be. And clearly it just, for whatever reason, couldn't happen. Um, And so I do wonder if it needs a break. I think Halo might need a kind of big break actually. Yeah. Because also the, um, was it Paramount that did the series? Oh yeah. That went well. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm, I'm a bit like, I think like maybe it just needs just some time to chill. And to have a refresh in a few years, that would be that would be my my major feeling on it at the moment. I don't think a Halo game has really excited me for really quite some time. And now when I hear there's a new Halo thing in, in development, I feel I feel sorry for the people who are making it because it's like <laughs> yeah. it must be relentless, you know. It's 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 strange because like to me, Halo feels very mid two thousands. It feels like two thousand and five to two thousand and twelve. That is like Halo, and it almost feels like the nostalgia cycle which is currently in kind of like the early Y2K era in terms of like fashion and music. It feels like it has to come back up to the late 2010s and then people will be like, oh, remember Halo? Like things like that. that like is, it yeah. needs to go away long enough for people to be like, remember Halo? That is a very um, astute observation. And it's it's funny how this is um, very predictable. Like the stuff that... So basically the stuff that we were into, I'm pointing at Chris, the stuff that we were into <laughs> when we were like teenagers is now all back. And yeah. when that happens to you the first time, you're like, oh, God, I hate this. Um, and then you realize that you're basically just being, you know, you're being catered to, you're being pandered to by everybody who owns all of the entertainment and fashion and everything else properties that, that, that you liked when you were a teen. They're like, come have some more of that. We're just going to yeah. nakedly exploit your brain chemistry to make you nostalgic for this. Um, but then it happens again in 10 years. Like it happens every 10 years. And so yeah. this, is what, this is what I'm thinking about Halo. Like it needs, it needs to wait until the current teenagers who have fond memories of playing Halo 2 and 3, it needs to wait until they're approaching 30. <laughs> so th- this is the thing, like, I, I am that demographic, and, like, it's, you can start to see it happening. <laughs> obviously, HBO Max yesterday were like, we're bringing back Harry Potter, and obviously that was trying to be like, a, oh, remember that thing from your youth? Whereas everyone who's my age was a bit like, uh, no, you've, you've kind of fucked that up. Yeah, so Halo is like... <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's actually a bit of our youth that we used to love that has been quite tainted actually so how about you don't bring that one back so halo is like a that comes out in 2007 i'm like 12 13 or whatever and that was that which, years of which war. Halo would that have been again Two? Three. Three, yeah. Hill three. Yeah. So that <laughs> I was just going into high school, so that was like the uh, we, we used to sit we used to sit at work and like the Halo three music play in the background. The the titles the title screen music. I was going to double much. modern studies and then home ec and then <laughs> talking about like <laughs> our slayer matches. The first non Nintendo console, I think, that I bought was the Xbox, the OG Xbox. And mm. um we had like when I was about fourteen, I would get 
my friends to literally lug televisions and Xboxes around my house so that we could play 16-player Halo 1 with no internet. Nice. This was pre- yeah. pre-console internet. Um, and like those were those were good parties. I have to say they were probably not the parties that, that, that you hope to be invited to when you're 14, <laughs> but we had a good time nonetheless playing our 16-player LAN Halo. But I have such fond memories of, of that era of Halo. Um, yeah. But it's kind of been demolished by just years of... I, I really feel like it's a, it's a production line, you know? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, and it, it isn't helped by the fact that Microsoft have had to like absolutely hang out the back of it as its like main brand. As everything else is like, you can't hang the Xbox on Forza, even though those games are amazing. Mm. No one's like, who's your favorite Xbox character? A car. Yeah, like, they have been looking for their. And Master Chief was that thing for ages, mm. and like that and Gears of War. It's all very. It's all very core and all very Linkin Park. That Isn't just has it? to Yeah, I feel like it's just again. not in fashion at the moment. Like the kind of yeah. grim, dark mm-hmm. Gears of War and the kind of operatic sci-fi, like gruff <clears throat> men saving the universe. It's just out of fashion right now. Um, yeah. I think that's, it, that's really true. It looks like it looks like what mid 90s old stuff looked like to me when I was in, when I was like 12, 13. So it has to like it has to cycle out and if you get rid of halo for a while that's a free big pop in like a couple of years you play the music everyone goes fucking spare you announce a remake of three all that shit i think it's interesting because like destiny has kind of replaced what halo used to be i think in the in the in the kind of cultural consciousness of like teen and early 20s gamers now like they all love destiny and then you know people have played people started playing destiny as kind of young teenagers and still play but it's it, it that that kind of the vibe of destiny is so close to the vibe of halo i think like it's yeah. so close to it but it's it's better than any halo game that's been made <laughs> in a really long time so i think like that that may be another aspect i think destiny may have stolen halo's thunder in the intervening years yeah. and there also just needs to be kind of a recontextualization of what a halo game is in the kind of destiny era because obviously three was a huge step for like widening the appeal of these mainstream kind of competitive multiplayer games obviously they had it in two and stuff like that but the one two punch of like gears of war and halo 3's online with xbox live everyone getting a headset everyone shouting abuse at each other that was like the thing but you go back and play halo 3 now mechanically it's still fantastic but it feels very basic and the current suite of halo multiplayer options doesn't feel like there has been almost 15 years since that one they haven't kind of redefined it in a way i do feel like there was one major advantage with halo's multiplayer which is that it's nice and slow for the old people those of us <laughs> i feel i feel like i'm who... running in mud when i'm playing halo i want Warzone. i want to be like sliding 100 miles an hour yeah. and spinning I around i can't like, handle that shit that. jordan i can't yeah. i can't keep up with it honestly like I, I i cut my teeth on online multiplayer and like you know first person shooter multiplayer in the early 2000s when things were that mm. slow and like i just never have managed to up my like I, I can't i can't keep up with call of duty as I, now you know i can play it and yeah. i enjoy it, but i can't you know i'm not competitive and i never will be but the nice thing yeah. about halo is that it was halo infinite's multiplayer was so lovely because it was just like nice and slow and very like <laughs> it still had the kind of you have to know the maps you have to know where the weapons are on the maps it wasn't so much about loadouts as it was about knowing the game and it felt more strategic yeah. and I, I actually really did appreciate that i have to say i was like this is fun this is this is this is this is fun i'm enjoying myself playing a multiplayer shooter for the first time in ages 
Chris, I will bring you in on Xbox's weird vibes in a moment, but I'm just going to add this for context. Redfall, I have it here in the, the running order, right, in my running order, Redfall more like shitfall, don't quote me on that. Uh, Redfall is launching on Xbox consoles <laughs> with a quality mode. Fan, boys. You're really not helping, <laughs> you're really like not helping the, the Twitter um, narrative that VGC hates Xbox, you're really not helping that at all with fucking Redfall more like shitfall. Yeah, you just said that, you quoted that, that you have just said I'm that, you. Take, take yeah, when weapon. I said it and, and get it out of the podcast and just leave Chris's bit. Um, right. Redfall is launching on Xbox consoles with quality mode only. On Series X, it'll be 4K30. On Series S, it'll be 1440-30. A 60fps performance mode will be added later via an update. Um, you would have think you would have thought they dropped nukes on Fazlane the way that people um, reacted to this yesterday. People seem to forget that Arcane make fantastic games. And this game will probably still be pretty good. Chris, what were your feelings on this earth-shattering news? Couldn't give a fuck, mate. Yeah. But the, 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 <laughs> end, the end of the day, like we're we're old enough to, you know, again, that obviously the theme of this podcast is old pricks. <laughs> but we're 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 old enough to remember GoldenEye and stuff like that. It's like, yes, it's lovely to have a first-person game um, that runs at sixty frames per second. Hell, give me one hundred twenty frames per second. I don't mm. care. But 30 frames per second doesn't kill a game dead. It's no. like, yeah, yeah, you'd prefer 60, but I don't care. And, and, and frame rate's given far too much, um, far too much clout. Um, a lot of people like, yeah, I, I'm sick of people saying if a game doesn't run at 60, it makes them physically ill to play and it's physically, it's, <laughs> okay, that's, it's that's literally fair. unplayable and shit That's like that. fair, that's, but that's, I think frame nonsense. rate in a first person game actually uh, does totally matter. Helps. De- yeah. definitely helps absolutely helps and and i would prefer 60 to 30 but that doesn't mean 30 is a non-starter for me i'll, I'll still play it do you know what i mean i just don't it, it's it's disappointing um but it's not it's not a deal breaker for me i don't i don't yeah. care that much that's that's the thing like obviously I, I actually don't know if i'm reviewing it whatever whatever that shakes out if i don't end up reviewing it this just becomes something that i will play when the 60 patch is out because it's on game pass i think people were going absolutely wild about this yesterday and i don't really understand it and it was mostly from kind of the xbox's core base being like come on lads this is like you're advertising this as like the world's most powerful console and you can't get your big first party game out at 60 at 4k and then they compare like oh the playstation stuff from spider-man and god of war come out with 50 different graphical options and all that stuff and i think that's it's, uh, apples and oranges not the, sh- the best comparison but people get pissed off about it and it makes me wonder jason schreier made a good point about how between this the the stuff about how if you play redfall in co-op only the host gets the progression none of the none of the other people do and how the gameplay hasn't looked great it, it was like it's almost as if bethesda wants it to fail and i think i feel like that's a shame because it's at the end of the day it's an it's an arcane game an arcane there's a bit of a meme about how much games journalists love arcane games, but I'm still <laughs> excited about it. Um, Keza, what's your vibe on Redfall? I, mm, I <laughs> it, it, to me, it has the vibe of a game that someone went, we need to service game this. Mm. We need to make this. You know, cause you can always see when, so something that's, I think, unique, well, not completely unique, but certainly much stronger in games than other media, is that the business model of the game determines the experience a lot like the actual design of a game changes depending on whether you're doing this is multiplayer this is this is multiplayer designed to last for years this is service this is micro transactions this is free to play or this is you pay 40 pounds and you get 10 hours like that comp- mm-hmm. the business model and the way that you're intending to engage players completely changes 
creatively everything that you're kind of aiming for with the game, right? And I've seen over the years now many, many times where a studio has clearly been given a business model and had to make a game fit that, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, the most, uh, the, the biggest um, and saddest example of this is Fable with with Lionhead. They were they were told... On IP. I, well, seriously, I mean, who, well, you know, tw- 2010's Xbox, that's who. 2010's Microsoft. Um, things are much better now, but certainly at that point, you know, they, they, who would say to that studio, to Lionhead, make an asymmetric multiplayer game? They're, yeah. they're never going to be able to. And then they bring in US, you know, game, game dev executives from Riot and from other places like that who can make that kind of game. And they bring them into a completely different studio with a completely different culture and go, okay, now do it. Now do the service game. Anyway, yeah. so uh, that, that can really stymie a game. And I feel like something about Redfall strikes me as perhaps maybe it wasn't originally going to be the kind of multiplayer centric for you know i think that maybe there might have been a different idea for that game at the start and for whatever reason they're working in a in a zone that they're not comfortable with right yeah. as developers yeah. and despite all of the resources available to them from bethesda and microsoft was two of the biggest companies biggest one company now in the world sometimes you just can't you can't just make an entirely new type of game as a studio on that, like it's hard to do, right? It's hard to transition. So I feel yeah. like it's it, that. That's the vibe I'm getting from it, and um, I, I really want to play it though. I'm, I'm excited for it, genuinely. Yeah. Partly because I'm one of those annoying games journalists who loves Arcane. Um, yeah. But I am looking talk at about, it and thinking talk about Deathloop for a million years and it sells <laughs> two copies. Um, I, th- I still think it will do well at the end of the day. Like uh, Game Pass aside, I mean, critically, from what from what I can gather by the. Um, the hands-on previews that, that that went recently, everyone was up for it. Everyone, that, or, or pretty much most of the review, the previews I read were like really up on it and saying that this is actually really good. This is going to be good, and that was just a single player, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I think over time, maybe when the sixty FPS patch comes and and, and whatever, and um, I think over time it will go down as like a, a a good game. But it does it does feel like Arcane are kind of running up a hell of a bit I feel, with, I feel with, like, with, with things. Yeah, I feel like they're out of their comfort zone here. Yeah. Clearly. I mean, the fact that we've got these technical limitations shows me that something's gone a bit wrong somewhere, right? Like, yeah. that, that shouldn't yeah. be... I mean, I mean I'm, I'm not a performance-oriented person at all. But as Jordan was saying, this is... And Microsoft is caters to performance-oriented gamers. Like, Xbox is the yeah. console for performance-oriented gamers. And the fact that they can't get one of their flagship games to run beautifully does suggest to me that something's gone awry, you know? Yeah. I also, it feels like if there hasn't, if there hadn't developed this kind of meme about Xbox games not coming out, that they maybe push us back a bit. Especially when it's coming out, it comes out four days after Jedi and like a week before Zelda. Like, it's, oh, that's what, sending a, out what to die, isn't to it? Be. Like, oh, that's right. an, even in the service model where it will be there forever. Bump it to like the end of June, where fuck all is coming out, and then it's like here's this big thing. You can be the the conversation over the summer, even though people still be playing fucking Zelda. But you're almost never going to be the conversation under those circumstances. Like yeah. I, it really yeah. does feel like it's being sort of maybe shoved out at a point where no one will pay attention to it, almost on purpose, as as yeah. allu- alluded to. It seems like a strange decision to me. Yeah, I mean, if it turns out that it's a pure shiter, like it would make more sense. But yeah. when it comes from Arcane, it's fucking Harvey Smith. Like you look at that guy's like uh, discography. You look at his gameography or whatever the correct term is. <laughs> Softography. Softography. Yeah. You look at that, and it's it's just banging after banger. So I'm still very excited for it. I've just um, realized how stupid a term softography is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it sounds like a it sounds like something you'd find on Channel 351 
when you're on holiday. <laughs> it's not- just for five minutes. So. <laughs> Scrambled. Um, Allegedly. <laughs> speaking of crimes, the Nintendo cops are coming after Discord after a Tears of the Kingdom art book was leaked. Um, Nintendo's lawyers have basically said to Discord, give me the identification of Julian hashtag 2743, which will be written in um, the history books and uh, legal textbooks forevermore. Um, well, at least, really it's not, about- at least it's not like, you know, Elite Gamer 457. <laughs> See, that'd be better. Big Papa Pump 69. Yeah. Like, m- more like that. Like, that's, that's more mass ma- style. Um, I don't really care about this specific case. I hope Julian rots in hell for his um, crimes against Nintendo. Strong words, um, Jordan. <laughs> I, am, I am more interested. What is the biggest gaming leak you can remember? I'll start. I mean, let's not count the GTA 6 one because when that happened, it was like a, it was like a, a calm Sunday morning. I sat down at my desk. I'll, 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 I'll knock out a few stories and then it's just like the end of the world that happens. Chris, biggest leak you can remember. I mean, from, from a, from a, a nerdy point of view, it has to be that Nintendo leak from a few years ago. Yeah. When basically, because Nintendo obviously being one of the most secretive companies, especially from its 8 bit and 16 bit days, for suddenly a load of old prototypes to suddenly come out and like prototypes of Yoshi's Island with like different protagonists and like proper high res N64 like era artwork and stuff. Like as for a nerd like me, that's, that's gold dust. Um, and for it to have kept kind of trickling out over time as well, it was just like unbelievable. And I get the feeling that there's maybe still more there that we haven't seen yet, uh, because they promised 10 times more than, than has actually come out. And I wonder if over time we'll start to see even more of it because Nintendo for me is, is still this, 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 this company of mystery and, Mm. and magic. And, and it's of, of all the companies that you want to see the creation process, um, I mean, you got had Atari Fifty came out like at the end of last year, and and was a brilliant way of showing how uh, like the history of a company and, and how their 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 behind the scenes development went and all that kind of stuff. And lots of Atari developers have no problem whatsoever sharing in great detail all the, the thought process and all the games they made. Whereas Nintendo is the complete opposite. So anything black box that ever and leaks it. exactly. So anything that ever leaks from Nintendo, um, to me is is instantly the most interesting leak. Hmm. Keza, do you remember any any bangers? So I, I ran Kotaku in the UK for many years. And um, there was a point where every single year, every single year, we leaked Assassin's Creed. Or rather, someone <laughs> leaked Assassin's Creed to us. And we would then publish right. that information. Literally, every, to the point where it actually got quite quite quite, quite harsh. <laughs> After about four <laughs> years of it, it got to the point where it was like, oh, here's the big Assassin's Creed leak again. Yay! And it started to feel a bit like a bit harsh. But it was also quite funny because Ubisoft were so angry about it. Um, and like, ultimately, what is this? It's, uh, you know, when, when, when some, a leak on that kind of level is essentially someone's marketing plan getting messed up yeah. it's like no harm yeah. is done in my opinion no harm is done by that kind of leak like it's it's something that we were all going to know in a month or two we just know it a little bit earlier you know yeah. Mm. but um yeah after the, the continual series of assassin's creed leaks i mean it did get to the point where it kind of caused kotaku to to revisit its policy our editorial policy on like do we publish this stuff anymore because it did get to the point where it was like it's like is, is this even is this news you know what we're doing is showing people something <laughs> that they're going to see anyway in a few months yeah. and it, it did lead to it led to a kind of broader conversation about like the press's role in leaks actually which i thought was really interesting um and you don't see it so much now you know yeah uh, and interestingly actually there uh red dead redemption 2 there was some there was a, a very minor leak um from there of basically concept art and stuff like that and all of the everyone got sent it right 
like I was work where was I working? So I think I was at Kotaku, maybe the Guardian, I can't remember, but we got um leaked it. And yeah. you look at that and you're like, okay, someone's stolen that. Like yeah. that that's just something that someone has stolen. They've, they've they've managed to get like the GTA six leak, right? They've managed to get yeah. into Rockstar's server somewhere and they've just stolen that and sent it out to whoever. You don't touch that with a barge pole. Like that's no, not yeah. that is not especially Rockstar. Exactly. <laughs> One outlet did touch it. Yep. <laughs> and ended up paying many, many millions of pounds mm. in uh in not reparations, that's not the right word. Help. What's the, <laughs> what is it? Damages. <laughs> not reparations. Damages. <laughs> to rockstar and um you know they're lucky that that publication happened to have like a very very big corporation behind it or they would have been like that would have taken down a lot of us you know um and yeah like so it's really interesting when you when you look at when things leak i'm always thinking oh who's getting who's who's getting legaled for that you know yeah um but then i i really think that what chris pointed out when you get leaks that are like old data interesting old data about games that have been out in the you know, for decades or whatever. Like th- those are, gen- I genuinely think those are societally useful. You know, none of us are Edward yeah. Snowden here, let's be honest. So like, but that is as useful as, as video game leaks get. And I really love when that happens when we get, you know, so, some data miner or someone gets in, gets in there and finds like prototypes of, of games that we know and love it. We see kind of the process. I think that that's something that yeah. gets lost because games are so commercialized as, as art products. It gets lost. Like yeah. the, the process of making something is often just secret forever, which I think is a big shame. Mm. Yeah. Mine is um there was there's like beta versions of Pokemon Gold and Silver from um I think it was like a Space World or whatever that that show was the one that was in Shushinkai they they had like a, a demo version of Gold and Silver that had totally different sprites and a load of different Pokemon that never appeared and that eventually got out and people have been like pasting that together so that's good fun obviously a few years ago um the walmart canada thing that completely spoiled all of e3 that was great fun to be on twitter <laughs> and just see just see wario 64 be like don't bother staying up watching this here's every single game <laughs> um but yeah it's uh the 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 tears of the kingdom thing it's i mean there's a trailer there's another trailer or something coming this week but they've got such yeah. they're such fucking belly big bollocks about this game they've showed fuck all about it and they're just like <laughs> It's a sequel to Breath of the Wild, mate. It's probably going to get 105 on Metacritic. We're just, we're just going to put it out and it'll be fine. To be fair, I was like, Meg, I was, wor- I was a bit worried about that. I was like, uh, why are they not showing anything? Is this going to be more of the same? Not that I complain about more of the same if it's Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Um, but then when they showed that gameplay footage a couple, few weeks ago, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, this is amazing. Yeah. This is incredible. Like, yeah. how? How? You know, the, the idea that they'd like kept it very, very secret, but they had this killer idea that they were just like casually dropping a couple of months before it comes out. Like we would all have been hyped for much longer had, had this, you know, had, had we known what the actual game was even a bit <laughs> earlier. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's Nintendo for you. You can't ever predict. Yeah. You never can predict. That's what Nintendo do to you. Speaking of games that haven't been shown much after the break, we have some news on EA's Immortals of Avium. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All of ADM is crumbling apart. You don't win in ever war. You help us win this. I'll know you're ready. So last week I got the chance to check out Immortals of Avium, which you may remember from the Game Awards. This is EA's big first person magic game from the creative director of Dead Space, uh, Brett Robbins. More excitingly for me, he was the lead designer on those uh, that EA Return of the King game, if you remember that. That was, uh, I, I don't know if that was just a banger because I was like, 10 or whatever and i thought that game was fantastic i know you i'll probably look up magazines and it's like oh childish churlish a licensed game three out of ten but um <laughs> the the exciting thing about this game which to 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 put it in your mind it's like a first person shooter but it's magic imagine like doctor strange hands so you're you're doing circles you're shooting bolts and things like this and this this makes sense because brett robbins also worked on call of duty campaigns so it's magical call of duty which as soon as they started saying that i was like okay i was gonna say it sounds like i was gonna say it sounds like hex hexen but then i realized you'd probably be minus years old when hexen came out so never mind it's it's, for a contemporary reference for people that aren't in fucking nursing homes it's like um dr strange it's like Doctor Strange or Ghostwire Tokyo, that kind of like... I, was, I, <laughs> I can think of so many old games that have... And I'm, like, I'm not, not, not going to say any of them. It's just going to show me up. <laughs> you shoot magic from your hands. Yeah. Been there, mate, Is it like Bioshock? That? Like that? I mean... Like that kind of magic from the hands? It is that kind of magic for the hands, but it's less like, oh, here's a hand that's on fire. Let's shoot like a little ball of fire. It's very um, choreographed dancing. I'm, I'm for people watch. I'll put this video footage online. I'm currently just wait. gesturing just my hands as if I'm like bringing a plane into You're land. Is what's happening? Ah, uh, exactly. <laughs> so it, it's a lot of that. And um, he, uh, Brett Robbins, the the creative director, was like, I, I was making a Call of Duty campaign. And we were, the characters had to run up this, this side street. And I just sat there and thought to myself, what if a dragon was, came down and attacked these guys? And then he was like, well, I have to go and make this game. So they've been making it for years. It's like a full on big budget, AAA, Unreal Engine 5, EA single player game. They've barely talked about it. And it's out in July. I have to be honest, I had not heard about it before this moment. Yeah, it's, they announced it at the Game Awards with like a nice trailer, and I think because it was in the Game Awards and there was oh, fucking fifty billion games before, like, yeah. oh yeah, okay. Also, so, it was like six in the morning for us by this point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for, Christopher Judge had been talking for three hours at that point. You're like, Gee, come on, mate. It's actually, uh, it's actually still on. We've just taken a break to, to, to do this. <laughs> um, the so I asked him about that as well. It's like this looks like a, a this is like a, a a a huge game. Like, why aren't you? doing the usual marketing cycle and it was like there's and i think this is an interesting point there's so many games now there's so many tv shows there's so many films we announced this game with all this information by the time it comes out you've completely forgotten about all of it and we essentially have to do it again the whole thing whereas now 
it's April and it comes out in July. So that is a, that is a time where you can be like, oh, I can get excited about this because they'll be playing it pretty soon. Kind of like what they did for Fallout 4 or whatever when they announced that and released that later in the year. But yeah, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about it. My only problem is magic in games doesn't feel as good as shooting a gun because when you shoot a gun, it feels kind of heavy and weighty and your controller rumbles. Whereas you do magic, it's just semaphore. It's, it's, it's things like that. So they tried to accommodate that. They were like, how do we make the magic equivalent of a shotgun? Hmm. How do we make a magic sniper rifle? How do you, how do we make this feel the way you feel in a COD campaign, but magic? Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. And obviously the pedigree fucking creative director of dead space. So I'm, I'm excited about it. Chris, what do you think about this idea of announcing something this big from a company like EA or reveal it's already announced i keep saying when i when i talk to people about this game i keep saying oh it's being announced because fucking no one remembers the game awards yeah, basically it is, yeah. the grand unveiling in april and it comes out in july what do you think about that it's interesting i mean i i get it I, i'm i'm on board with it they did it before with wild hearts where they, they kind of oh, yeah. announced, announced it and then it basically came out like a few was that an later. ea original was that under that label as well because this, this so, is one because, of their ea yeah, originals i think so but it was it was them in koei techno wasn't it but i think it yeah. was under ea originals um so the, it, it sounds like this is their kind of strategy going forward certainly for certain types of game and uh, maybe like the more uh, i'm fine I'm, I'm all for it i'm i'm a very impatient person um yeah. so what i don't know doesn't hurt me basically in, in terms of waiting for stuff so i very I, I nothing excites me more than uh during a conference when someone says and it's out now and i go yeah. okay, well i don't have to wait for it uh, like, these kind of secret drops where it's just like oh here's the game and i go oh that'd be brilliant oh i can get it now okay that's that's mm-hmm. fine so so the, the the closer to launch that something gets announced happier i mean i mean it's, it's probably not good for me to say considering my job partly involves writing about these things and needing to know about these things long in advance so we've got content oh, yeah. um, you love it but as soon as something when fucking hi-fi rush get announced and it's like okay and do a little bit of you in two days and i'm gonna go not sleep for 48 hours and get this finished that's that's um, that's the distinction isn't it like personally love it when a game gets surprised and it's professionally yeah. it's like oh <laughs> come on <laughs> i'm never gonna be able to cover this now you know give us a week like exactly. announce it that it's coming out next week like be sound yeah um, <laughs> and Heather, get- can you can can you still get buzzing about long long away release dates like it, at, at the jeff fest this year when shit comes up and says 2024 do you still get buzzing or is it like it'll come in when it comes in for you i feel like i've i've <laughs> i've adopted a, a, a mindfulness approach to this where it's like what's <laughs> happening in the moment is what i'm paying yeah. attention to right because there's, there's there is so much noise now um, not just from games, but from everything. Um, and there's so much to keep on top of. Uh, and I, I struggle to keep on top of it, right? Like I have spreadsheets full of, you know, interesting looking games of all kind of sizes from all kinds of developers. And I, it's, yeah. it's these, I, it would probably be a part-time job just to keep those spreadsheets updated. You know what I mean? So I feel like, um, I am, I think there's, there's a balance to be struck. I like it when something is announced and then not shown until maybe a couple months, few months. I think yeah. I think six months is for me the maximum, yeah. Really, um, to actually show something properly, you can say it's in the works, but like if you're if you're, I mean, these days it's not it's not like it's not like it used to be. There's now so much content, and everything's available all the time, immediately now, right? It's you know streaming and games and everything else. Everything's very sudden, and it all happens. There's so much available to us all at any one time that I think managing the hype cycle, as it were, has really changed. 
Um, and yeah. I, I do struggle when, when something like this will come out sometime in 2024, 2025. I'm like, well, tell me about it then. Like, I'm not going to think about it. Between now and then, I, I can't afford to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> so when I look at release dates, I, obviously, as someone that reviews a lot of games, I'm always like, okay, so two weeks before then, I'm going to be starting to work on this. And then, especially in this busy period coming up with like Jedi and Zelda and all that stuff, it's like, okay, I think I can fit in about one day of being a normal human being between like going between those um so when something's far off i usually just think i don't really care when this comes out i'm more interested about what is coming out around it and how that's going to fuck me like with spider-man and starfield like how how is that going to completely destroy my life for a week yeah um, i get to cherry pick a bit more what i cover and what i don't these days um mm. because like uh at the guardian we have one game review a week like that, yeah. that's really one, maybe two. You're not doing guides? Not, not doing a hundred Zelda guides? <laughs> no, no, uh, not yet. Uh, wait until we get bought by someone who decides that's the new strategy. <laughs> um, but yeah, because, uh, yeah, because we, we only really have room for also like we have, so I work four days a week, right? We have four fifths of a games editor and yeah. a similarly part, partish time games correspondent, right? So I'm like, well, we're clearly never covering everything. Like that's yeah. not happening. So what, what we get to choose, what does it we, 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 we want to cover? Um, and so that does make like it does make it a bit difficult when things surprise launch then because it's like oh well there's I, I can't I don't have any bandwidth I can't be like oh here you know one of my seven staff writers just t- take this on yeah um, so yeah it was I mean it was much easier IGN or Kotaku because obviously we had big staffs and you could yeah. always give something to someone and someone would always be happy to do it but like now professionally is it's very much like that there's not much room in the yeah. in the in the publications uh, in in my publication there's not all that much room for games anyway right. So like yeah. you really have to be selective about what what you cover. Yeah. Well, if you want more information on Immortals of Avium, when this podcast goes live, if everything goes to plan, there will be an interview on VGC and uh, a preview. Also, the I think the first trailer, the fir- the first proper trailer is going live um, at uh, when this goes live. I'm saying live a lot. Stop saying live. You've live. successfully got me interested in this game. Although I still, even though you said it several times, I still can't remember the name of it. It's, it's immortals of avium no one's gonna remember that trust me that's a real problem while writing this interview and writing this preview i had the exact same thing as like first of all how the fuck do you spell it and secondly i just started i was like what can i just call it immortals can i just start personally shorten it everyone will call it immortals but then you got immortals then, phoenix rising phoenix rising yeah, yeah. yeah like any it. any game with the word immortal in it now is like oh no that's been filed somewhere in a it's, it's been filed yeah. in the junk drawer of my brain with all the other immortals games um yeah, yeah I, I actually do think that's a real problem like naming games now is hard because <laughs> like, yeah so many so many subtitles so many thing colon thing that it Something does become unleashed. hard to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> unbounded that, do you remember unbounded, unbounded. <laughs> that was a, that's why proper for, games have names like eafc says what it <laughs> does what it says in the tin yeah. A football game. Yeah. <laughs> there was an there was an interesting conversation on kind of funny where they were like the the name EAFC will enough people worldwide know that FC means football club and I was just like I That's feel wild I feel so disconnected I mean obviously those guys are American and uh, very lovely shout out blessing for wearing his West Ham shirt yesterday but the I feel like FC doesn't FC say football more than like FIFA does or has the FIFA brand like no that's wild like I'm sorry everybody in the world knows what FC means <laughs> like surely yeah. that's such oh wow I love those little cultural differences that come up with the Americans sometimes so you're like to be, you don't to know be what fair FC to means? Blessing to be fair to Blessing who does watch football he was saying to Tim he was like no it's it's, it's football club <laughs> like p- people will get this but I thought that I thought yeah. that was super interesting because obviously this is like 
arguably the biggest rebrand of a gaming series ever from FIFA mm. to EAFC. Um, and they've kind of started. Where was but that? They can't call it football, can they? Because of the international markets yeah. in which football doesn't mean football. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it'll have to be EAFC. And they, and, yeah, and they can't call it. They can't the call US. it soccer because that will piss off literally everyone else. So like, yeah, yeah it's a difficult rebrand. Yeah, I, th- I think they'll probably be fine. Chris, Chris <laughs> sent me a picture right. from uh, Parkhead at the weekend that had a big billboard up. Where was that? It was, out, it was just outside Celtic Park. Cause, I mean, mm. when, when, as you, right as you come out the stadium, there's an enormous billboard. It just said EAFC, the logo uh, with, the, with the Celtic colours behind it. They, I, I noticed it's actually, I was really impressed by the the organization that EA did in, in kind of promoting this last week is like um, the amount of social media work behind the scenes that must have gone into this. But because if you go back and check when they kind of announced last week, here's the new logo and blah, 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 blah something like 400 football clubs from around the world all at the exact same time posted the logo with their colors behind it, basically saying we're in. So they must have gone through every league and every team and said, by the way, can you do this um, in secret without it leaking? Um, and it somehow they somehow pulled it off. Some fair play to them, but um, yeah. It's did all, be did all the Scottish teams do, it or was it just just Celtic and Rangers? Celtic it? and the Rangers. Celtic um, and the Rangers. Yeah, uh, company. Um, but it, it's 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 interesting. I don't like. Yeah, I I I I'm I'm curious to see what people start calling it because obviously you call FIFA FIFA. Are they going to call it FC? Are they going to call it EA? I bet people still call it FIFA for years. Like, I bet people say, are you going to get the new FIFA? They need to do, I I, I referenced this to Chris, the WWF to WWE get the F out campaign. They have to do that with FIFA. on like FIFA out. Yeah. Like, (laughs) half time during the Champions League, they have to come on and be like, fuck FIFA, we're the AFC, and and make it clear. Like, um, I look forward to Gianni Infantino's response to that. <laughs> I've really every, every time he's opened his mouth and talked about the video games, I'm like, oh, this is gold. I love it. I love that. I love that quote he said when he's talking about the new FIFA game, whether it's FIFA uh, 24, 25, 26, will be the best e game for boys and the girls. The best e game yeah. for every boy and girl. I was like, this is this is gold. Every time he talks, it's wonderful. Well, before we wrap up the best e podcast for boys and girls, <laughs> I asked um, because the Xbox. I was I was looking at Xbox 360 stuff because I'm deeply nostalgic and realised that it turns eight this year so i asked the the e-boys and girls for some xbox 360 memories very quickly christopher MacArthur boyd who will be joining us in the podcast in the not too distant future <clears throat> said on twitter the initial shock of realizing my mum and dad had got me the arcade version of the 360 and didn't get me batteries for the guitar hero 3 controller which was my only game meaning the only thing i could play on my next gen console was pac-man <laughs> wow that's brutal. That's, I forgot that's, they've released the arcade version of yeah. it and it didn't have a hard drive, didn't it? Yeah, it, you, I think it was like you got the, the arcade and then was there like a 4 and a 20 gig? I know this yeah. uh, sounds ex- extremely alien that they would release a console with like 20 gigs of storage, but um, yeah, yeah that's, when I read that, I was like, that that is like a Christmas ruiner. Like that's like yeah. the entire day is destroyed. Like you just sit there feeling sick because you're like, I can't play with my thing. <laughs> um. Well. <clears throat> Alex Green, the XBLA Summer of, of Arcade, and I also miss Summer of Arcade, mm. but you can never do it nowadays because there is a billion indie arcade, whatever we're calling yeah. these games with like smaller teams. Um, 
but that had like Explosion Man and I think Trials, the original oh, Trials yeah, was a summer of arcade mm-hmm. game. Xbox Live what? Arcade is under underrated, honestly. Yeah. I think it did an awful lot. Everyone talks about how Sony and the PS4 were what made indie happen on console, but no bullshit. Oh, no. It was it was yeah. XBLA for sure. Fucking yeah. Castle Crashers and Braid yeah, and all man. those kind of like Limbo. Those, Wasn't Limbo also one of those? Uh, yeah, yeah. Lim- Limbo yeah. was one of the because Summer of Arcade, it was like, okay, you're gonna get five weeks of games, a couple of them will be bangers. I mean, a few of them will be like South Park, Scott Tenerman Must Die, one of the worst games I've ever paid the money for. But um, and I should the, probably, probably drop in my obligatory one versus a hundred reference. Oh yeah, well. bring, it just, just, yeah bring it back. Bring it back. And Tyler Renard, Renard, first time I ever opened up a console was my 360 when it red ringed, and I managed to resurrect it for a few months. Also, the console that introduced me to online multiplayer humbled me in exactly how bad I was at playing games. Just on the red ring, I only had. One console, I had one console red ring and I told that story in this podcast and then the Xbox I bought after that was confusingly the Final Fantasy 13 Xbox that had lightning on the front of it oh God, because yeah. it was the only one I could get. So for like years <laughs> following that, I was like fucking playing these like shooters and like oh, Gears of War and all this shit because I was like a fucking 14 and 15 year old boy. So I was obviously the absolute worst, like the smelliest we got back ever. <laughs> and then just light, lightning on the front of my, my, my 360 uh, faceplate um keza what what was you were obviously in the midst of covering games in the 360 area that was like is it fair to say that was your ascent a quick look at linkedin seems to say you started in 2006 yeah um my fir- the first c- console launch i ever covered was the xbox 360 launch um i mm. was 17 i went to the xbox Jesus. 360 launch party when i was 17 and got way too drunk and I had to be like escorted off the premises <laughs> um, don't give 17 year olds free booze like never do that idiot um, I don't was, get fucking 27 year olds free booze right, at one point I, I believe i was headbanging to no music at one point on the dance floor yes <laughs> my, my, i think my editor may have had to be like okay <laughs> i am gonna go home um so yeah i think that the the three the thing is because i was um, literally a junior staff writer not even a staff writer junior staff writer on the magazine i got given the shitest 360 games like the, like the ones that like nobody would even touch like almost as a joke i would be given the worst so like a lot of my early 360 memories are of these absolutely dreadful games um like tequila overdose and like things like that really oh, really really bad games um uh some that were so broken there was like there was a cat i can't remember it might have been called beat down or something there was like a capcom game i think it was capcom that was uh, unplayably it could, didn't work so like the early mm. few months of the 360, I was given all the worst games um, to play and review. Uh, and then when I left that job, I um, basically took three weeks off and just sat in my pants and played Oblivion on the 360 <laughs> for the whole time, for, for like weeks continuously. I just woke up at breakfast, played Oblivion all day, went to sleep and repeated. And it was, it was, it was such a like real, it's a real core gaming memory for me. Mm. I loved that time. It was great. Um, See, this is, this is the thing that I really resent about people telling me that i hate xbox because without the xbox 360 like i am not doing this job because people of my age always say like oh the ps2 and the gamecube have these like amazing memories of halcyon days with those consoles and i had those consoles i was playing them and also like going out, going out to play with my mates and playing football and stuff like that it was always the thing you did when you got home it wasn't until i got the 360 that i properly started no life in games <laughs> and that was like the that i had like at one point, I had like 70 or 75 360 games. I mean, this won't help my reputation when I tell you that I traded most of those games in to buy a PS3 and Infamous. You can fucking... <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can blame Greg Miller for that one and his propaganda uh, in that era. Um, but the, the Xbox 360, that is like... that. 
that is the games console for me. Like debates about the best games console ever are so stupid because they're it's, massively it's subjective. High, it's high up there though, like the three sixty. Yeah, yeah. Like it, that run, the run from like two thousand and six to two thousand and ten. Every year it was like there's fucking ten bangers. Also, the like, console that housed Viva Pinata. Let's not forget yeah, the, the <laughs> stunning for me, masterpiece that is Viva Pinata. Genuinely, fucking love that game. Brilliant game. Yeah. For, for me as well, and I know this isn't everyone. Everyone doesn't feel the same way, but for me, it changed the way I play games because it introduced achievements. Yeah, and and I, I know people love achievements and people hate achievements, but for me, it was like it changed everything because it gave me a reason to keep playing stuff. And I, I, I just the way my brain works, it's like I I, I can't. Like I, I, I need some kind of way to, to tell me that a game is complete, which is why I don't like live service games that much because you can never complete a live service game. It just, it, it never ends. Um, so for me, achievements were great because when you got that thousand gamer score or 200, but when it was arcade games, which is too low, um, it, it was like, this game is complete now. Like the, yeah. it is inarguably finished. Um, I can move on, and I used to love that. And like, it, it, we we used to cheat me and Ryan King, who was on official Xbox magazine at the time when I was at official Nintendo magazine. We worked the uh, adjacent table, adjacent desks, and we shared a flat. We shared a flat together. Um, in the living room had two TVs with two Xbox 360 set up and when new games would come out we then the press copies would turn up at the office we'd each take a copy of something and take it home um, and play multiplayer against each other to to get the multiplayer achievement. Nice. <laughs> we spent a whole night grinding like Sega Superstars tennis. Uh, to, so each of us got a hundred wins online multiplayer oh, yeah. on like the first night. He was a big, before anyone got big it. Chivo's guy. Remember he well, was. me and me and me and him used to compete. It was brilliant. I, I, used to do, I used to do all the fucking dark arts. Like you would you would flash your Fallout Three save to a memory card, put it on the PC, unlock all the achievements, and then flash it back to your <gasps> Xbox, and it would just go. Crimes. Yet again. <laughs> crimes. <laughs> and, you know, Come and get me, Aaron Greenberg. <laughs> I, the other week uh, we had some friends round um and I decided we were gonna play Beatles Rock Band. We got all the plastic shit out, finally got everything working, got the three sixty, we started our first song, Game Froze, and I was like, oh fucking thing. Um, turned it off, turned it back on, Red Ring. Jeez. My ninth Retro. Xbox 360 Red Ring <laughs> in 2023. I was like, this, this is, this is, no one cares anymore. But for me, <laughs> you're on the phone with Microsoft, like, right, come on to Fox, send me the call. Jay Allard from. <laughs> The most, the, the, most, the most tragic the most tragic thing about my life now and this this this, this is like this depresses me to, more than i like i ever explain mm-hmm. is i can't play guitar hero anymore <gasps> um like i i used to adore guitar hero and rock band and those that was my thing for the longest time like played dragon force on expert and all that i was like properly in it and a few years back serena was like one i was uh doing the the gardening and with hedge trimmers cut right through my finger <gasps> and severed a nerve in my finger um and they repaired it all up but i've got no feeling in this in my uh pink my ring finger on my left hand and when i stretch my hand i can feel it it's painful which means i can't play the frets anymore in no. guitar so i've got my guitar sitting there behind me in the couch um and behind the couch and it'll just never be played because that's like five four years later and i still it's still painful mm. when i stretch my hand you i'll do, never be able to play you it just again. need to learn how to do it it's maca like, style just i should have insured my, i should have insured my hands like, <laughs> like, like, <laughs> you, you, you have just made me think like shit if i ever lose my fingers that's a real problem for my career <laughs> like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. I, I think about that all the time like i was playing five sides like 
six months ago and a guy trod on my hand and this was the night before the pokemon world championships and i was like if i can't go down to the pokemon world championships because my finger is hanging off i'll be deeply disappointed and it was one of those where like you don't look at it and you just you feel it and you're like it feels like they're all there and then it was fine (laughs) well you'll be sick by now jordan hearing me moaning about my wrists and that my hands are are just gone like it's like because i do because i do work and then go straight to writing books every night that's that's unwise mate my wrists are just yeah they're just gone now at this point so just use ai mate (laughs) if you was like just just, just in case it wasn't clear enough how old we are chris scullion is falling apart podcast (laughs) yeah every every single week if you'd like to write into the chris scullion is falling apart podcast you can do so at podcast at videogamechronicle.com keza where can people find you um i'm video games editor at the guardian so you can find me there i do a newsletter called pushing buttons which comes out every wednesday please go subscribe to that i'm very proud of it um and you can find me on twitter at keza mcdonald where i'm almost never there anymore because of elon musk but nonetheless <laughs> there i am excellent um keza thank you very much for coming on you were the first voice of a scottish games journalist i ever heard on the ign, on the IGN UK Pass. Yeah. yep excellent i was i was absolutely obsessed with that program um back in the day um so yeah th- thank you for coming on thank you for not like le- leaving the games industry because <laughs> i feel like most of my heroes from that era have fully fucked off at yep. this point. <laughs> it's not very well paid or well respected so like unsurprisingly uh people don't stick around too long thank you for not being one of the ign uk podcast listeners who used to ask in asking uh, who used to write in asking what the teenage boy was doing on the podcast <laughs> I, me, and my, me and my mates all used to listen to it and we were extremely protective of you because you were scottish we were like this is we have to, there's one down there in the big fucking smoke if we're going to be game journalists we we need to fucking get in with her. <laughs> yeah, the Scottish video game mafia obviously has continued to grow since. You love yeah, to see I mean, it. Lo- look at us now, half of VGC. <laughs> video Games Caledonia. Uh, you can <laughs> follow us on Twitter, me at Jordan Midler, Chris at Scully1888, and Keza at Keza McDonald. We'd like to thank the great Grant Kirkhope for the VGC podcast theme. Say goodbye, Chris. Goodbye, Chris. Say goodbye, Keza. Bye, Keza. And we'll see you next week. VGC, a video games podcast, is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.